Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you. We'll dive into the latest bubble slash tournament projections. It's Tuesday, so it's crop report time we'll check in with mitch sherman from the athletic mitch a nice write up on husker basketball and his level of optimism what's yours right now as we're 24 hours out from nebraska northwestern and you know how the rest of the schedule goes you feeling okay about nebraska basketball and dancing elijah and i will arm wrestle with that you're welcome to chime in at 489-1240 or 800-825-5865 can email chris at hailvarsity.com and you're always welcome to check out the stream be a part of it and uh, jump in that way the hail varsity youtube channel can also find us on hail varsity radio twitter on the x platform at h varsity radio some different platforms around on social media as well espn 590 omaha's espn where you can find us on their twitter platform kfor sports and kfor facebook can hear us in carney hastings grand island on the Superstation, and our friends up in columbus on news talk 900 so mitch will unleash the fury coming up in about 15 minutes in hour two we'll get to some football thoughts with uh, spring ball upcoming, some offensive line takes, and yes, lots of Super Bowl discussion. Jeremiah Searles will kick us off. Searles, Papa Searles at 5.05. And then I uh, love catching up with Grant Wistrom, uh, Mr. Uh, All-American, Mr. College Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ. G-Dub will join us at 5.25, get his take on the Chiefs, on the Rams, uh, his time, and, and really just that... Uh, that calm you need uh, from your coach and the vets when you get to Super Bowl Sunday. So we'll go there. Uh, 489-1240. Calm is not a word I'd use to describe Nebraska basketball fans. That's okay. That's not uh, – it's National Compliment well, Day, and that's not a, a knock. You have no reason to be calm if you're a Nebraska basketball well, when fan. When was the last given, time a Husker fan of any sport was calm? <laughs> well, probably the 90s, yeah. right? Probably pre-Elijah, okay? Uh, with the Listen, there, there's too much heart wrench and heartache and Lucy pulling the football on you. I totally get it. But there are some reasons to think this could go okay, and that's if you believe that the Illinois game was a turning of the corner. 
with Nebraska basketball on the road. It's one performance. It was a gutty back-and-forth performance on the heels of a gutty come-from-behind, don't-lose-this-opportunity-at-home-against-Wisconsin. Now you go into Northwestern, and they're reeling a bit. They got to have it. Nebraska and Northwestern are really staring at one another. They're like the Spider-Man gif pointing at one another. I mean, they are, quite frankly, mirror images where they've had some big wins. They've had some heartbreak on the road. They've both had their skids. I'll say this, that that there's not really, aside from, uh, is it Chico State or Chicago State or somebody, Northwestern's got that uh, stain on their carpet from Rover. Okay, that <laughs> they'll never, ever, ever be able to scrub out. Uh, Nebraska's stains are what? The, the fact you've blown a couple of double-digit leads on the road to teams that you shouldn't lose to. North, Northwestern just lost at Minnesota. Minnesota's making a push. We'll see if they are for real tonight against Michigan State. Sparty, for whatever reason, their 2-7 and seven record against net one opponents excuse me, quad one opponents. They are still a seven seed. We'll get to the crop report before we do that. It is roll call time. We'll do our starting five. First five folks in the stream, we give you a shout out. That's how we get segment one going. Brandon is in and you grandpa in it too. Mr. Jeff Snitley in it three. The artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life in it four. Uh, the uh, prosthetic pulse in at five. It's a new that's, one. That's a new a new name. Welcome the prosthetic pulse. Yes, thank you, Eric. Uh, off the bench at six. Roger seven, and uh, you have Greg in at eight. Rewind two thousand one in at nine. So uh, rewind chimes in and uh, says the following. Let's go, Husker basketball. I see them going 7-1 and one in their last eight. That would make them 8-2 and two in their last ten going into the tournament. That would be incredible. That would be nice. And after Northwestern, they should win their games. It's easier said than done to win out. But Indiana's not smiled upon right now. But it's still uh, Assembly Hall. Yeah, Rutgers is not smiled upon, nor is Penn State right now. Both of them are coming home. And you have two against Michigan. The worst team. <laughs> they are a dumpster fire. I don't know how Jawan survives, except that he's part of the Fab Five, and you just lost Harbaugh. <laughs> so let's get into the crop report, Elijah. You've seen The Athletic and their latest bubble report. Uh, Lenardi put out his bracketology yesterday. It all start with the bracketology. Right now, it's just six, just a six-pack for the Big Ten. That is Purdue. That is Northwestern. That is Nebraska. That is Michigan State as a seven seed. That is uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, each at three seeds. And right now, uh, Nebraska is a nine seed per ESPN bracketology against eight seed Clemson. Clemson's been fading in the ACC, but how appropriate could it, would it be for Nebraska to get their first NCAA win if they get there in Danny Nee's hometown of Brooklyn, New York? Huh? Is that not just fitting? Is that not storybook? Can we get Danny back to his second Nebraska game in 25 years uh, courtside or give him a, a, a blowhorn? 
uh, to, to cheerlead a little bit. But, but in all seriousness, uh, Nebraska, at least on the, the latest bracketology, not listed as first four in, last four in, or Dayton bound. They are beyond that, so they're in that next group. But right now, um, you got a solid last night. And you and I talked about this Friday into the weekend when we were discussing the Kansas-Houston matchup. Uh, I thought Kansas would rise to the occasion at home. They looked great. They predictably, coming off that Houston energy, and Kansas looked physical and tough, and they're talented. But you knew that it was going to be a bit of a buzzsaw. Had to have it game from K-State. K-State got it done in overtime last night on Big Monday. Uh, That's big for Nebraska because you want your opponents that you've beaten to have successful seasons. That was big for Kansas State. I, I don't know that they're in because of it, but at least they're back in the conversation. It makes Nebraska look better mm-hmm. with that win. Uh, right now, you, you want Sparty to keep winning, I suppose, because of their strength of schedule. But Minnesota is a team that you could split with, and that loss doesn't look as bad anymore. Uh, it hurts a lot more because you're up a boatload on them. So that's what I have for ESPN. The athletic is really now what kind of focused on Northwestern Northwestern's getting the microscope treatment that Nebraska got last week by the athletic when it comes to that fringe team that you've got an argument to be in, but you, you can't misstep because your margin for error is copy and paste, quite honestly, of Nebraska and Northwestern from last week to this week. Well, and you look at, I, I love a site called Bradtree excuse me, bracket matrix right now. What it does is it goes and compiles the bracketology from all the major sites and even some smaller sites as well. I think they end up using something like 25, maybe 30 different uh, different bracketology data points. Uh, as it stands right now, Nebraska's average seed is a 9.47. So they're somewhere on that 9 to 10 line. You look at Northwestern, they're at an 8.94. So they're pretty solidly a 9 as it currently stands. Both teams that might be in as it stands, depending on who you talk to, but but are still very much on the bubble, depending how the rest of the season goes. And you look at Nebraska, Northwestern being mirror images, even the way their season closes is pretty identical, with Northwestern having one quad one opportunity in front of them, just one, whereas Nebraska has two, uh, with Northwestern being on that line, going away from home. That's uh, right in that line of being quad one, quad two, and then you have Ohio State on the road a little bit later in the season That as it stands right now. Ohio State still a quad one? Still a quad one as it currently stands, but they are dropping fast. So it might be a quad two by the time you actually hit the road and and get to Columbus. So both teams that have more to lose than to gain probably over the last couple weeks of the season, whenever you look at the opponents that they have, it's about taking care of business. And uh, neither team has an easy path towards getting themselves off the bubble in a good way, unless you really go and exceed expectations against the teams you're supposed to go beat. So the question whenever you turn to tomorrow kind of becomes who needs it more because you're, you're, both these teams are in a, a pretty similar spot. Northwestern's been great at home, but again, not many opportunities uh, later in the season to, to improve your standing. Nebraska's in the same boat. I don't know who needs it more in this basketball game. And that's what is kind of concerning to me with Nebraska. Because I think you looked at the Illinois game, the game that Nebraska needed more. They played like they needed more. Are you going to get a Northwestern team tomorrow that has their back against the wall being in very much a similar position to Nebraska? That if you drop one at home to Nebraska, it's probably going to drop you in bracketology. And, and you're not in a place where you can afford to have many of those losses. I think Northwestern can, can win out if they don't win tomorrow night at home. But this is a, a tough time of year for a skid. For, for anybody, but Northwestern 
is really similar because, I mean, they're right there. I mean, they, they had as good a shot to whack Purdue. Think about your your monumental wins and your, hey, we've got one of these for the resume nobody has, right? There's just a handful of teams, Nebraska, Northwestern, Georgia Tech. We're talking top four wins. Uh, whoever beat Houston and whoever beat UConn. I mean, there's just there's there's a handful of teams that have done it, and teams that have done it are are in on solid footing, with the exception of Nebraska and Northwestern, right now. So, I think Nebraska. I would favor Nebraska in in a little bit better headspace right now because you you blew a lead. Stop me if you've heard this before. You blew a double-digit lead at Northwestern. You lost in overtime. Your coach lost his mind, deservedly so, with the officiating <laughs> uh, at Purdue. So you're working on a two-game losing streak. you got to protect home court if you're Northwestern. They, they, they are tough. They, they shoot 40-some percent from three at home, and they're just in league play. And Nebraska needed home court. To, to get a win against them earlier this season. They needed a, a monster shot by Tomanaga, and they just outlast because Northwestern's defense clamped down on Nebraska. Nebraska went up, never able to pull away. That's been different for Nebraska. They've, they've gotten up double digits on most people at PBA in conference and then won by 15 or more typically. That goes for Indiana. That goes for Purdue. Never really grew a lead against Sparty. So Anonymous checks in. And has the uh, the 22 number out there, tribute to Rex Burkhead. If we get to 22 wins in the regular season and get another two in the Big Ten tournament, are we guaranteed to be at least a three seed <laughs> in the NIT? Wow. Well, another thought from Anonymous I think is less tongue-in-cheek is he thinks it's much better to be a 10 seed than an 8 or a 9. I'll get your thoughts on that. Would you rather Nebraska be a 10 seed? Because I understand where he's coming uh, from. Here, the the point being that if you're an 8 or a 9 seed – you win your first round, you're you going get a up against... two seed versus a one. Yes. Listen, um, the the eight nine matchup in Brooklyn that I highlighted for you, you, you take on UConn in the second round. Uh, the best I've seen Nebraska seeded was a seven seed. This was after Purdue in Charlotte, so they were supposed to take on Carolina in Charlotte. Again, this is a couple of weeks back. I I think your your best teams in college basketball right now, clearly Purdue and UConn, and I would put UConn above Purdue. Those are your two. Um, and as far as your two seeds, Kansas is in there. Uh, Marquette's probably up there. And... Uh, Houston's probably a one. Uh, according yeah, to you, according uh, to Brad, bracket matrix, your top four: Purdue and Connecticut are universally ones. Everyone right, has them yep. as a one seed. Houston has been included as a two seed on two different brackets that they have, uh, and then North Carolina is closer to six. Excuse me, eight different brackets. They're a two seed. Okay, so those are your top four: Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina. Get under the two seeds: Kansas, uh, Kansas, Arizona, Tennessee, and Marquette. Right now, they have Wisconsin as a three seed, along with Alabama, I think Baylor, Iowa State. The the two seed I do not want any part of is Tennessee. <laughs> okay. Tennessee scores, uh, has a great tempo, and they play defense 
and they look like they actually like playing defense. They're just all sorts of a ball of energy, although Rick Barnes has not been great in the tournament. So, so there is that. Give me the, uh, the, the two seed, though, right? I mean, does Kansas seem more beatable? Does Arizona seem more beatable? I don't know. Just let, let's get to that point where we're getting way, 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 way ahead of ourselves where Nebraska's in and they get their first round win. It will be a dogfight, whether they're a, a, a 10 seed, whether they're a 8 seed, whether they're a 9 seed, whether they fall to an 11. No fun. But, it but, should, it should but, be but at least you had the opportunity. You're in. First time in 10 years. And it should be noted, according to Bracket Matrix, Nebraska is in the bracket for every single one of the rackets that they follow. So... Nebraska's, well, Nebraska's in universally, and they're in as a 9 or a 10 pretty much every We asked you, are you optimistic about Nebraska in March? We'll get Mitch Sherman's thoughts. He's up with us next from the Athletic Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. We'll check in with Jeremiah Searles and Grant Wistrom. Next hour, we get things kicked off. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic joins us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how are we doing? Thanks for the time today. Doing well, Chris. How are you? We're good. We are just talking uh, the latest uh, crop report with Nebraska, Northwestern, the Big Ten, and where the, uh, the, the seedings fall. Big ball game tomorrow night. And Mitch, I need just published a story on Nebraska basketball. And I want to get into the topic of optimism with you because you, you feel is you've covered Nebraska basketball and Husker sports for a long time. You feel for the fan base of Husker basketball, just the, the uncertainty that exists this time of year when this type of season comes around. Yeah, you know, this type of season in the last quarter of a century for Nebraska has come around so rarely that it would be nice if the fans could enjoy it, and I think they do enjoy the wins, and they enjoy when Nebraska's playing well, but there is a bit of a tortured nature to being a Nebraska basketball fan because even in the the seasons that are like the high watermark, and, and you know this is trending to be one of those, it's still really stressful. You know, Nebraska doesn't get those kind of seasons where you get to the first part of February and it's just about wondering, you know, how high you can boost your seed. It's always on the bubble if if there's a bubble, um, if the bubble even exists, and in many years it hasn't existed. Then it's you're you're wondering if you're in or out. And this is one of those years. My feeling, and I wrote about this today after hearing Coach Hoiberg. Um, following the the Sunday loss in overtime at Illinois, and then again today before they left to go back to um, to Illinois to Northwestern this time, 
is that this team is well positioned because it's now at the end of this stretch over the last three weeks that was always going to be the most difficult part of the schedule. And while a win would be fantastic tomorrow, and of course that's what Nebraska's aiming for, is to break through and get that road win. Even if it doesn't happen, the way the last seven games line up, I feel like Nebraska's in pretty good shape um, to, to be dancing in March. It's Mitch Sherman with us here from The Athletic on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, whenever you look specifically at tomorrow night's matchup, kind of our theme for the, the first segment of this show was these teams really are a carbon copy of each other from how they play. They both like to shoot the three-point ball. You have coaches that are very similar. Both of them probably uh, could realistically be in contention for Big Ten Coach of the Year, pretty mild-mannered, have turned around programs uh, that have been hopeless as of a, a decade ago in terms of their ability to, to make it into the NCAA tournament and go win a game. You have very, very similar programs in Northwestern and Nebraska. Is that a, a fair way to, to put tomorrow night's game, is that you kind of have two carbon copies playing each other? I think there's a lot of parallels to draw, and you know you kind of laid it out with Chris Collins and Fred Hoiberg and their backgrounds. You know those guys; those guys got their their claims to fame in the sport of basketball elsewhere, and then have taken their coaching prowess and have have worked, um, you know, have have done have done great things. I, I don't want to say worked wonders because Fred hasn't gotten to that point at Nebraska. Now Collins is in his 11th year at Northwestern and, and they've cleared some major hurdles that Nebraska is still looking to clear in winning in the NCAA tournament. Northwestern was the last team to, to, to make the NCAA tournament as far as the power five ranks go. And here Nebraska stands as the last team yet to win a game or the only team yet to win a game from the, the, the major conference schools. So there's a similarity there. Um, and, and right, you get down to this 23-24 squad for both teams, and you see how strong Northwestern is at home. They've got home wins against Illinois and Purdue. Nebraska's got home wins against Wisconsin and Purdue. You know, all the way down to the fact that, that, that their, their Ken Palm and their NET rankings are about the same. And then they both played a pair, they both played two overtime games last week. So they're coming in. Both of these teams are, I would say, with a little bit weary legs, Nebraska perhaps on the, the worst end of that because the Huskers played on Thursday, Sunday, where Northwestern played on Wednesday, Saturday, and the Huskers have to travel to Northwestern. So some significant advantages in favor of the Wildcats as far as their level of freshness for this game coming off of a rough week last week with two defeats. Um, and, of course, they've got that big home court advantage. Talk to me a little bit here, and Elijah said a great story we're going to get to from the Chicago Sun-Times about uh, Hoiberg being back in business and a really good story this year for college basketball and the the topic of Fred and, you know, the coach of the year in the Big Ten with, with what he's been able to do. All that being said, he just doesn't blink good, bad, or ugly, does he, Mitch? I mean, the, the post game. Elijah and I were talking yesterday about how much fire we would have set to the uh, <laughs> to the <laughs> arena after after some home cooking for the Illini on a lot of missed and questionable calls, and and Fred is absolutely a treasure and a professional where he he doesn't like it, but he doesn't he doesn't show it as a you know, uh, an excuse. He just he just handles the facts. You lost, and here's what happened, and here's the turnovers, yeah. here's the rebounding. 
So yeah. touch on, on Fred's demeanor and, and how that can help a Nebraska basketball team kind of trying to make this, this push here in March. Yeah, he really is like the, the eye the, at, at the eye of the storm, like the calm at the center of the storm. And Sunday was a great example of that because, you know, I think everybody who watched that from a Nebraska perspective was throwing their arms up in the air at times. And, and look, there, there were, I'm sure there were calls in that game. It, depending on your perspective, you see the game differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were calls in that game that made Illinois fans and observers irate also. But there were a number of them late and in overtime that impacted Nebraska in a negative way. You know, most notably the the no call against Rink Mast at the end when he was stripped and hit on the hand and, um, you know, potentially goes to the line and and gives Nebraska a chance at least to come closer um, when it's down three. And, and, you know, you can debate all you want the call at the end of regulation two um, that put – Illinois at the line to, to tie the game, potentially to win the game in regulation, which they didn't do. Um, it was a great defensive stretch for Nebraska at the end, and, and it, unfortunately it was, it was uh, you know, all for naught because of, of that foul. And, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see it as a foul. But, yeah, the great thing about Fred is, is he doesn't get bogged down with that. And, you know, I think he, he looks at it from the standpoint of, hey, we missed um, – he said today at his media availability that Nebraska was 13 to 31 at the rim in that game. Um, I, I assume he means like close to the you know, get points in the paint, uh, and that's yeah, it's missing too many shots. And so he's going to he wants his team to be accountable to that and worry, of course, as all coaches say, but don't necessarily preach about the things that that you can control as a team and they can control um, their shot making uh, near the rim. They can control the effort that they put into rebounding. I do think they, they put forth a lot of effort, but there's more that they can do to come closer to winning the rebounding battle in a game like that. And, and he wants them to rebound. He wants them to limit turnovers and he wants, he wants them to do all of that on, on the road. That's really the formula that he's devised for Nebraska to be able to win on the road is to, do the things that it has done well, like shoot the three, but then also rebound and, and, and limit the turnovers. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's really interesting to watch his demeanor after those, after those big wins, um, you know, which we saw on Thursday as, as he stood at the center of the court and was interviewed with, with the students all around. And, you know, it was just same old Fred. And then, and then three days later, um, at the podium in Champaign when his team had just been dealt a heartbreaker, and you wouldn't really know the difference between the two guys that you were watching. I think it does help the team a lot because they can, you know, they're, they're not going to ride the waves as much if the, if the head coach is as even killed as he is. Mitch, quickly here before we get your thoughts on the, uh, the Super Bowl, does the Big Ten have, a, have an officiating problem in your mind? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I could say, I can say that I think that, that that there is a problem. I, I don't know exactly what it is or how to fix it, how to train them better. But, but yeah, I mean, there's there's. I've watched plenty of games this year where I've thought, you know, how did that happen? I I, I get it's a tough job, um, and I don't know that it's limited to the big. It's not limited to the Big Ten. You know, observers of media fans of every conference. I think feel like their officials mess things up 
at a, at a special rate. And if you watch enough Big Ten basketball, you know, you can feel that way about Big Ten basketball. It's football season. You know, we can feel that way about Big Ten football. I, I do think that there, there has to be some some accountability and some way to kind of modernize the process so that um, these guys are put in the position to be able to call the games and officiate the games in both sports the, 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 the best way possible. You know, whether that means more access or less access to technology. I, I don't know what it is, but um, it's, it, it is difficult um, to watch those games and, and like the one on Sunday in Champaign and, and see, um, you know, so much that is left in the hands of the officials and, and, and know or at least believe that, uh, you know, a lot of it didn't get handled right. And I'd say it didn't get handled right on, on both sides, but it did seem to impact Nebraska late in the game more so in a negative way than it did Illinois. Mitch will probably hit Super Bowl on the old Average Joe pod this week. I want to get your quick take about a minute on Coach Rule tomorrow. What are you expecting from from the head Husker? Right. You know, it's the first time to be able to talk to him about Glenn Thomas um, and to hear what his expectations are um, as they move forward in coaching these freshman quarterbacks. And, of course, be a lot of, a lot about – this is a lot about Dylan Rayola and – and you know how the two of them can can form a bond, and and um, Thomas's history in working with Rule and working with Marcus Satterfield, and what the dynamic is there, and in in building an offensive system that's going to be different from what Nebraska ran last last year. So I, th- I think that's going to be a big conversation. And then how the Huskers uh, closes up this recruiting class. If there's if there's a late addition or two, will will be interesting too. You know we know about Keona Wilhite the defensive end from from tucson and you know he may end up um at nebraska that's that's um you know seems to be leaning in that direction so if there's a another signee to talk about that's going to be a a big topic and especially if it's at a position like like pass rusher which is always at a premium in, in recruiting mitch we'll see you tomorrow thanks for a few minutes today all right good to talk to you guys thanks a lot there he is mitch sherman with us From The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Open phones for you the next 20 minutes. Want to jump in before we talk to Papa Searles. Grant Wistrom next hour. More. Some of your comments in the stream are are just buttes. Get to some of those. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Locker. Hale Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal can dial us up at 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Your comments coming up here in the stream. Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Reminder about your friends from Dyer Law. If you've been hurt in a personal injury accident, you can count on the team at Dyer Law to provide you with a helping hand when you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Dyer Law and their team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. So the topic of calm with Fred. Watch Fred lose it tomorrow night. Mitch's Mitch's response on your question about the Big Ten, do they have an officiating problem? And 
for him to just, the way he says it so dryly and matter of fact, they mess things up at a special rate. (laughs) (laughs) Is good. Well, Uh, and, and, and I think he's got a point in that, this isn't just a Big Ten problem. It feels like the, it's a college the, basketball the, the program. It, it's a basketball problem as a whole. Because you've got dudes doing five games a week. They're traveling thousands of miles. It's a great paying gig. It's a part-time paying gig. Mm-hmm. It's too good of money not to do. You're making six figures, and you're probably exhausted. But you're not going to say no because you're not ready for it. But it's just The game of basketball has become extremely difficult to officiate, and you see that at the NBA level, the the college level, the high school level. I think one of the things the NBA has added that maybe you got to look at with college basketball is that review system where coaches can go through and challenge calls that they don't like whenever it doesn't go their way. Some some refs, that just for the hell of it, though, who's the Kelly guy, Pfeiffer? Kelly Pfeiffer. Yeah, that clown. Everyone loves him. I mean, he, <laughs> but he will do a review with the – three minute mark or he'll he'll check some phantom happening or a ball that was grazed and it takes 10 minutes longer than it needs to and his second half flips from the first half where if it's a physical no blood no foul first half all of a sudden it's softened up in the second half and vice versa the crew against nebraska sunday night and i'll say against illinois sunday night because that's how it felt You just give me consistency, and we whined about this yesterday, but find me some dudes that that are consistent. I I have been laughing about this for quite a while. Oh, watching you try to hold it together. If you're not on the stream, you should have seen Schmitty trying to hold himself together when he saw this comment. He couldn't make eye contact with me. Tiger Tiger Shark Diver chimes in, and we're talking about Hoiberg and, you know, Freddie Ballgames, the mayor's calmness, and, you know, Tiger Shark off the top rope here. Fred's a grower, not a shower. And I didn't want to be disrespectful to Mitch because yeah, no, he's, he's he's answering a question and I got to turn. It's like I'm in church and my brother ripped a loud fart or something. I was going to say, it, it's like that moment in high school whenever the teacher says something funny and you can't laugh because it's no, a serious because moment. But then you make eye contact with your buddy from across the room oh, and he's and doing the same thing and, as and you trying to hold together. you're both out in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you both get launched. I see, What's so I see, funny here? I see you and I both spent a fair share of time in the hallway in high school. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I bled in my mouth because I would bite the inside of my cheek. Oh. No, I, I had it all figured out back in high school, though. I'd figure out whenever I'd be like, ah, this lesson's kind of bogus. I'd get myself sent to the hallway and I'd just go do my homework in the hallway and save myself, you know, 30 minutes at home that night. Mm. Work smarter, not harder. Well, well, well done. When it came to conference time, Elijah's got some uh, behavioral issues in the classroom. A lot of res- lack of respect for authority. More oh, from no. Tiger Shark. <laughs> Big Ten has more problems than OJ in '94. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Big, the Big Ten did have problems. They were the number two uh, undefeated football team in 1994. Hello, Penn State. Uh, let's get back to the show, says Tiger Shark. I have ADHD. Uh, tip your waiters, try the veal. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> what the, What's Cruz problem? <laughs> uh, it reads like this. No, Crew, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> Crew in the stream. Sorry, head Chipotle for lunch. <laughs> was on the throne for the last 30 getting here late 
Oh, I apologize to all our radio <laughs> listeners. They're like driving home from work right what now. They got no idea what's going on. What are these yahoos doing? Is, yeah. Oh, my Lord. To business. <laughs> to business we go. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry, focus. This is garbage. I, I will be better. I promise. So let's talk about this uh, report from the Wall Street Journal, because that's more interesting than crew going psycho in, in, a, in a bathroom stall. Uh, Fox, ESPN, Warner Brothers, they're combining their sports rights to launch a new sports streaming service. That's the word from the Wall Street Journal. Do you pay for your, uh, your, your Fox app? I think that's free, isn't it? The Peacock isn't. Uh, ESPN, ESPN Plus, I'm sure I pay for that because I get charged 10 bucks a month by ESPN. Uh, but it's going to be available on ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Max subscribers. So can we do everybody a solid? And I don't know if you run into this problem. The Schmidt household has... But there's 40 different subscriptions. Can I get it under one umbrella and cancel my 10.99, and I'll gladly pay you 19.99 for my Hulu, my wife's Hulu, my ESPN Plus, and my Max? Can we can we do that? Can we get that worked out? Can, can we just get the the powers that be to come together and say, hey, well, we just kind of did. Well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to go further than that. Instead of Fox and ESPN teaming up. Let's get all the people that broadcast college football to team up, and we'll get the college football subscription pass. Mm-hmm. You got the college basketball subscription pass. Maybe for an extra, you know, three ninety nine, you can throw the college baseball subscription onto one of those. Make it easy for the people. Home. I'd be more willing to pay for a subscription service to, say, Peacock, if it's not just, ah, uh, you get your one decent basketball game a week, and maybe you get to watch The Office, too. Let me watch all of college basketball. You don't need YouTube TV. All the games are available on this one app. Here's your college basketball app. Here's your college football app. But my Peacock experience was less than stellar. It's been good 90% of the time, except when Nebraska was on it, right? So that was that was my problem. The reason we all switched from cable, Black Hills Brandon chimes in, is that uh, is what these streaming services are starting to do now. Yeah, that's that's fair. They're, they're nickel and diamond you for certain TV networks. Mm-hmm. You got it. You end up paying the same amount as you were before. Well, that's where I'm at. Like my YouTube TV is like close to eighty now. It started out at fifty. Yep. And whatever, I, it's convenient. I like it. No, no worries. I have no complaints with it. I'll gladly pay it, and, and away we go. And I don't have to have the the box or the DVD or the DVR I mean, situation. All I'm saying, the more you nickel and dime me, the more it makes you want to go to the dark web and find it for free. And Elijah can show you how. That's on the uh, uncensored Hail Varsity. We'll wind down hour one. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find the show, podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Each daily show gets... Uh, Updated on those three platforms for the audio portion, the full show, or just the interviews 
you want to hear, uh, your choice, your call, and can see the whole thing with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, check that out. Subscribe to it. It is free to subscribe. Give us a follow on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed as well at HVarsity Radio. You can find us, Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence on X or at Schmidt Radio. Make that at Schmidt underscore radio for our Twitter handle. Reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. So Stuart Mandel tweeting out a little bit here on this this merger here where you're going to pool some resources if you're Fox and if you're ESPN, because you have the, the two big dog conferences, the games, the matchups, the helmet showdowns you want to see uh, from a streaming uh, business venture together. Now, if the game's going to be on Peacock or on some other tier, uh, NBC you're, or, or CBS is streaming, you're going to have to pay extra for that. But at least you kind of got a one-stop shop here. What I need to do is combine them. <laughs> I need to to combine them instead of paying a la carte on all of them. Whatever that number is, we we can we can talk. And that's what I was kind of saying earlier. It's like you know, I mean, uh, you have NFL Sunday Ticket that does it really really well. Doesn't matter if it's on Fox no, or it's, TV. It's, and, I, and I understand you have a, totally, a parent company in the NFL that has a little more control in these situations to be able to make this happen. But like Sunday Ticket, I can watch any game, any Sunday. That I want to watch, no matter what network it is, for one flat rate. Let give me, me that for give me that for college basketball. Give me that for college football. Where it's just you know what I can open up this app and whatever game mm-hmm. that I want to watch, I can. It's there for one flat rate, no matter what network it's on. So, let me ask you this: How many times have you just stayed in, or would you stay in? Part of the fun, though, is to go out with some buddies. And you find a bar that's got the wall of TVs. They do it for you. And you get out and socialize a little bit. On a, on a per-month average, are you at home watching the game? You, would you stay home to watch the game you want, or would you go out? I mean, I'd, I'd stay home pretty much no matter what. Like, okay. Like, I, I don't think that having it on at home is my be-all, end-all of, oh, I don't want to go out. It kind of comes down to social situations and how hungry I am. Do I want to have a couple beers more than all? Can I get the game at home? Okay. So it just kind of feels, it, I mean, it comes I, out of your mood. I mean, I have Sunday ticket and I, I'll still go hang out at the bar and watch okay. the NFL Sunday there. Yeah. It's, it's all on mood. I don't think that, I mean, maybe I'm the, the unique case here. I don't think that that is what drives my decision making in terms of, do I watch it at home or do I watch it elsewhere? Well, Matthew's got a good point. When we talk about that advisory board that, that came into being last week, uh, sounds like the advisory board uh, for the TV executives uh, for the Big Ten and SEC. Absolutely. Uh, streaming's the next phase, although Roger Goodell did say uh, under his watch there will never be a streamed Super Bowl only. Good. Which is good. There, there shouldn't be a streamed only playoff game. No. and <laughs> We, the consumer, need to stand up to the TV executives. Well, he, one of them is your commissioner now, and he's going to keep printing money. For the league that helps uh, Nebraska expand the South Stadium. There's a middle ground between what's best for the league, what's best for the TV executives, and what's best for the, the consumer. We'll check in with Jeremiah Searles. He'll kick us off. Grant Wistrom next hour as well on Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. 
This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Let's talk some football and welcome in our favorite Husker offensive lineman, Mr. Agent. He's in his Husker Dan. It's Papa Searles, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, it is that week. Mm. It is Super Bowl week. And uh, you've got a, a stern look on your face as you nod uh, approvingly. Man, you you guys were just right there, yeah. Uh, just not that long ago. What uh, what's this week mean to you as a as a former NFL guy? Yeah, you know this week is it's awesome. You know, for me, this is such a great week because you get to watch two teams that have had the same goal in mind since they started OTAs back in April, and here they are. And you know, both sides of this group from San Francisco and Kansas City have had their own challenges as they've gone through the lulls, the highs of the season. And to see them the last man left standing here, I mean, it just it fires me up because I think it's going to be a great game. But there's also that part of me that's just really sad because I know that, like, this is the end, right? Like, from here until September of next year, like, I don't get to watch football. I don't get to sit on my ass on a Sunday and just watch TV. <laughs> like, I have to actually, like, do something now. I mean, at least hockey season is on still. But, yeah, this is this is a bittersweet when the Super Bowl ends for me. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, what's your take on the extra week for these guys? Obviously, the bye week's important. You get your body right. Uh, you get to have a, a great performance in the, in the Super Bowl because of that. You know, uh, I guess less of a chance to have mm-hmm. sore bodies, lingering injuries. But at the same time, with a game this big, it's an extra week for these guys to think about it. And these guys to just be, uh, I guess, stressed about the moment. Maybe they're losing sleep this week, playing in the biggest game of their life. What is your take on that extra week for the guys that are going to be competing in the game? Yeah, you know, I understand it because you do want everyone to be as healthy as possible. But at the same time, you're exactly right. You can chase ghosts. You can overthink. You can overprepare. You can try and think, oh, I'm going to outsmart this dude by entering this end instead of just like rolling with like the playoffs are such a momentum thing week in and week out, just survive in advance, survive in advance, survive in advance. But as we all know, the NFL is a money-making machine. And so the longer we can just plug away for two weeks talking about the Super Bowl and add extra events and extra things. But from a player's perspective, and I'm talking with the guys that have played in the game and been there, it's a, it's a grueling week. Like the, the week before, like when you're preparing, so like right after the championship games is kind of business as normal. But you're in your facility, everything. But they said once you get to the Super Bowl week and you have the media and all the events and all that stuff, like the game just can't get there soon enough. And I feel for those dudes on that respect because, yeah, you're trying to go win and play in the biggest game of your life, but at the same time you have a bunch of contractual obligations you have to do throughout the week to make the wheel go around. Searles, let's talk about the matchup here. Uh, you've got Kansas City and San Fran. I believe San Fran's favorite point and a half, two points. That's still the, the case, I think, and – you know, what do you like? I know the storylines, the quarterback matchup, and I also know the storylines, the, the Frisco offense versus that Kansas City defense. And then you also have Kansas City's pass rush. They're, they're, they're incredibly talented, as is San Francisco. So mm-hmm. who wins Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal game. You know, the couple things that I'm looking at are how does Brock Purdy play against the Blitz? 
right? All year, he's been great. I mean, he has a 119 passer rating when he's pressured throughout this year. He's been fantastic of knowing where to go with the football, having answers when they send too many. And a lot of that also Christian McCaffrey, not just a great running back, fantastic pass protector, like being able to see the field come across. So, you know, how does Spags and those dudes where he blitzes like crazy and brings guys all over, what is their plan and how does Purdy respond to that is going to be a big part of the offensive success for San Francisco or not. Flip it on the other side, Kansas City, the thing that hasn't been talked enough about them is their run game. Isaiah Pacheco and what that offensive line has been able to do really since the month of December has been heavily reliant upon the run game with those sub-zero temperatures. And looking at the Detroit game, looking at the Green Bay game, they ran it on the San Francisco 49ers pretty well. You know, they went up and down the field, especially in that first half. I think Kansas City is going to want to come out and establish the run against this front because this front is not the front you want to fall down 10 points to. Like you fall down multiple points, multiple scores against Bosa and Gregory and Armstead. It's not a good time for anyone involved, regardless if your name's Patrick Mahomes or not. So I believe they really want to get the thing going, but it's really going to come down to can 15 continue to find ways to win. And I've been betting against him the last two games and Hey, Oh, the bills are going to get him. Oh, okay. Well, the Ravens will get him. Okay. Well, I can't bet against him anymore. As much as I don't want him to win, I probably think Mahomes finds a way to win this because he is just a freaking magician. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, whenever you, you dive in specifically to the offensive lines, obviously the quarterbacks are going to draw the headlines. Mahomes, mm-hmm. Purdy, what a great story Purdy is, by the way. Mr. Irrelevant to the Super Bowl within just a couple of seasons. But at the end of the day, football a lot of times comes down to offensive line playing and running the ball, as you said. Which team do you think has the better offensive line? Oh, the Niners. The Niners in general's roster is better, like top to bottom. Like you, you look and you compare rosters. It's it's not even close the talent level between the two. Now, fifteen from Kansas City is the ultimate X factor, but I do believe that from left to right, from Trent Williams to um, John Feliciano to McKivitz to those dudes on the front lines for San Fran, I think are better. Now, I do think that if you just say interiorly. Right, the interior for Kansas City with Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Trey Hendrickson, like those three dudes are nails. Now, Joe Tooney, I don't know if he's gonna be healthy or not. He had the pec issue, he missed the game, but I thought Algretti stepped in and played really well for him against the Ravens. So, you know, I think interiorly, Kansas City, but as a whole unit, you got to give it to San Fran. Searles, what is the grub situation like for Super Bowl Sunday? Elijah and I have batted this around and. You know, there's thoughts of chili and wings and pizza. Yes, but what are you doing? Uh, I actually, I went on a big tirade on this on my podcast this morning about the fact that uh, Super Bowl parties are not it. They're not it. They're not the thing to do. You sit your ass at home. You watch the game, and no one bothers you. Like Super Bowl parties, when you go to them, like it's not to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Like you want, I want to watch the football game, and I don't want someone being like, well, "What's the false start?" Like, no, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Like, what just happened? Why is the guy in the white hat talking? Like, no, it's third and eight. Leave me alone. Right? Like, those those are the type of things I try and avoid. So I think we're just going to hang out, chill at the house. I think one of my buddies down at Kratos might be having, like, a watch party, but I trust those guys because they're all former athletes to just leave me alone. I did have a, a buddy from church that was doing a pickleball tournament during the Super no. Bowl. I was like, you out of your mind? I was like, stop it. Like, no, absolutely not. You don't pair the Super Bowl something. You pair Thanksgiving with something. No, you just have it be its own thing. I think there wow. is a magic number to the Super Bowl party, though, and that's like, like there. I was going to say under five. If you yeah. get under five at your Super Bowl party, it is ideal. You, there, you start getting above that, and now you got social obligations you got to take. Well, there, there's rules to people it. Three hours. Yeah, there's exactly. rules to it too. Like I don't, I don't want to know about your day. I don't want to know about your week. I don't want to know about what your kids doing. 
Like, I don't want to know about any of it. I want to watch the game. You can talk to me afterwards. Fine. Like, oh, you had a tough week. Eh, it's first and 10 on the 20. Leave me alone. Right. Like there, there's certain times that's the time and the place to vent and talk about your life is not during Super Bowl Sunday. Are you a, a big uh, connoisseur of the ads or do you give a crap? I could care less. I could care less. I used to think they were cool as a kid. But I mean, for right now. I'm about the football, and the problem is I'm going to have to watch Taylor Swift, and then I'm going to have to watch the ads and do she, all the uh, things. Okay, so you're you're not a, a Swift fan? Listen, I'm a fan no. that she brought in $331 million to the NFL because eventually that trickles to the player, and I'm at the very bottom suckling down the last little trickle <laughs> bit of it as the agent. So I'm not mad about that. Not upset about that. I am just upset about the fact that I'm going to have to hear about it for the next during the whole game. Jeremiah like, is with us about. here. We're talking trickle down. This public service, <laughs> this public service announcement of what not to do, yeah. especially next to him on the couch Listen, during a Super Bowl. I'm only saying what everyone wants to say, right? No one wants to go to the Super Bowl party. Nobody wants to like the wife's like my friends having friends over. And as a husband, you're like, I'll go. But listen, say it up. Say, hey, Cyril said we could stay home. Blame me. Put it on me. No, no, and, and I'm I'm headed to o- headed to Omaha to see a buddy, his wife, and a lot of the kids are at volleyball out of state. There so you it's go. just mm. it's just him. He's gonna smoke some wings and it's gonna be perfect. Incredible. I perfect. asked the wife if she wanted to come and she, and, uh, <laughs> she has no interest. No, that was Junior getting home. No interest. <laughs> the wife doesn't want to go. It was it was Junior. <laughs> that was horrible. I look over my yeah. shoulder. I asked the wife. Okay, yeah, she doesn't want to go. <laughs> no, she's she's out on it. Uh, so there's there's the rules to live by. Um, Cyril's last thought here on, on the Super Bowl party yes. from you. Will there be more chicken wings consumed or beers consumed by you on Sunday afternoon? Chicken wings. Chicken okay. wings for sure. Um, you know, I love a good chicken wing. And the, and the beers are tough because I, I lift at 5.30 a.m. on Mondays. You know, so mm. that's the other piece is, like, if you're not going to make, like, a, the game on Saturday, Monday at least should be, like, a half day, right? Like, national half day holiday, right? Like, hey, the Super Bowl rebound, right? You're either going to be really excited or really sad or you're probably going to be a little hungover, but... You know, overall, I wish they'd be a half day, but definitely chicken wings. I love chicken wings. It's definitely some chips. There's going to be some chips that get inhaled. Sun chips are the way to go. Oh, sun chips, garden salsa all day, every day. There he has it. All right. Dear friend of yours, Rex Burkhead, hanging mm. him up. We got to ask you about Rexy before we say goodbye. Jeremiah Searle's with us. Uh, what's your Rex moment? We're kind of polling folks we talked to this week. Yeah. And you've got uh, a chance to see most of them. Yeah. You know, I've got got a lot you know but the one that comes to mind is the first week we were here like the very first week in 2009 in the summer when we all got here we all decided like we couldn't work out with the team yet so as freshmen we're all like hey let's go let's go get a workout together and rex was the one that led the workout right he was like hey i know what we're doing and he just took charge from that moment on and all of us were like yeah this kid's gonna be special like he's gonna be the dude and then i mean the one that really sticks into my mind is iowa 2012 we're trying to figure out a way to climb back in. It's freezing cold. Like nothing's been going all game. Rex didn't play in the first half. And then he came out on the second half and he was like, I'm playing. And we found a way to just ride his back all the way to win that football game. And, you know, for him to, to be that guy for us in those moments was just so much. And he just meant so much to us as a team, meant so much to us as teammates. And, you know, he's just such a fantastic dude. And he also is the last of the Mohicans of the 2009 uh, NFL Ola class. You know, we all 
had good careers. He outlasted all of us, and he's the last one to hang him up. So that it's an end of an era for sure. Yeah, and, and from your experience as an agent, what does it mean, especially as a running back in the NFL, to go from a sixth-round pick to being a guy who plays for 10 seasons? Yeah, I mean, playing 10 seasons or running back in general is such a hard thing to do, you know, and Rex found a way time and time again to just keep carving out a new niche for himself, whether it was a first and second down power back or a third down blitz protection back or a screen back or whatever the team needed, he was able to just create and he was able to do and fulfill. And that's the kind of guy that the NFL wants around. You might not be the fastest anymore, or the most talented, but every locker room needs those kind of guys. Every position room needs those kind of guys. And Rex was absolutely one of those dudes that until his body gave up, he was just going to keep going. And as an agent, you'd be like counting your lucky stars if you had a six-round pick go 10 years, yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I mean, anyone. I don't care if it's a first-round pick. You play 10 years, you hit double digits in the NFL, man, you're doing something right. Couple minutes here. Jeremiah Searles with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, and we're talking Rex Burkhead. Uh, we'll have a chance tomorrow to hear from from Matt Rule Searles, and we're excited to kind of get his thoughts as things transition from mm-hmm. winter conditioning into into spring football. And you know, I'm just wondering here. We we think the the two position groups to have the most attrition going to be offensive line and secondary, mm-hmm. right? Just because you have so many. So many numbers. What What's a good number? What's a needed number on the offensive line? You talk about your best five for sure, mm-hmm. but you need, what, a swing and, and a backup guard or a guy that can play guards and center. How many linemen do you need ready? Nine. You need you need nine guys ready, right? You got to have your starting five. You got to have your true backup swing tackle that can play either one. And then you really want to have um, just a true backup center. And then you want to have that guy that can back up both guards, right? Like, so you, you want to have a guy that, because not always you're going to have that swing guard, in my opinion, in college, right? Usually it's a guy that's developing as a left guard or developing as a right guard. And as a young player, you don't really want to say, hey, you're just going to swing because you want them to truly develop into one position. And so if you can have nine guys ready to go and not have this drastic drop off from the starter to the backup because you've allowed them to stay in one place and develop, that's really the key because very rarely does an offensive line make it through an entire season without being banged up somewhere, shape or form, right? A tackle getting hurt or a center and someone coming in, even if it's a spot start for two or three games, you have to make sure that drop off isn't a drastic drop off to where the rest of the chain is weak because you have a weak link in whatever position has to fill in. So I would love to say that we could come out of training camp into the fall with nine guys that we feel really good about being able to come in and start. And as you talk about that depth, Searles, the, the freshmen coming in, how difficult is it for them to get into that, that nine, if you will, when you look at Grant Bricks and Tamua and uh, you also have Gibson Pyle, a lot of excitement for these guys. How difficult is that task to, to make it into that nine? Yeah, it's hard, man, because it, not only physically you're trying to get caught back up. I mean, good luck if you're 18 years old, come out of high school, and there's Nash Hupmaker standing across from you, right? Like, that's a <laughs> tough thing to do just physically. But then the mental aspect of it, too, of understanding offenses, understanding what the scheme is and the snap counts and what the checks are and all those things. It's just a lot to try and figure out, especially in one year. And honestly, it's not the greatest thing for your development, right? If you come in as a young player, if you can get in the weight room and be in that developmental group group that's lifting three, four times a week, putting strength on, putting weight on, making sure that you can figure your life out outside of trying to understand the offense, then you go into spring ball into your second year in a much better position than if you were just your, your first year. Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, last thought, Turner Corcoran, where does Turner fit in, do you think, on the line? Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have to be in the guard spot. But, you know, I think he's also a guy you can't – 
he's played enough tackle that you can't let him just lose that all together because Teddy's never finished a season, right? Teddy's never been able to show that he can make it all 12 games. And that's such an important position at left tackle. I think Turner probably rotates there a little bit, but as of keeping him on the same side at left guard allows that transition not to be as crazy versus like, Hey, we're gonna play you at right guard. And then if Teddy gets hurt, we're going to bump you out to left tackle. Sure. Right. So just trying to keep him on the left side of the line. I think the left guard spot for him would be a really good landing spot. Searles, take care, brother. Thanks for uh, some do's and don'ts with the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, and uh, we'll check in again next time. Thanks, thanks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Go Big Red. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Husker and College Football Hall of Famer, a uh, three-time Super Bowl uh, man and uh, one championship with the Rams. We say hi to Husker legend Grant Wistrom with us. Grant, what's good, man? It's uh, early February. I can't complain. How are you doing down south? Doing good, man. I got to uh, wear a short sleeve t-shirt to work today, so uh, anytime you can do that in southwest Missouri in February, you're, uh, you're living right. So do you go with the, the Schmedium to, to, to gun show it, or is it just a normal short sleeve shirt? Normal short sleeve. I mean, I'm, I got an XL on right now. I, you know, I don't need to advertise. I, I'm a taken man. I don't need to put it out there. <laughs> well, my follow-up question is going to be, that do you do the crop top to show off the six-pack? But I guess we've already, we've already established that's a no. Yeah, no, no. You know what? It, it's hard enough keeping them off of me. So, uh, like I said, I just I try to cover up as much as I can. Uh, Grant, it's eighty degrees. Yeah, I don't need a crowd, right? I mean, that's, yep, that's just yep, it. Yep. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm interested to get your take on on this year's Super Bowl matchup. You're always really kind to us to jump on uh, this time of year and talk Super Bowl. Let's let's get into this uh, to start off and. I know you follow the Chiefs, and, and I know you you kind of keep an eye on the Niners and just what they've been doing uh, for a number of years. Another trip for San Fran back. What do you like about this showdown Sunday? Uh, you know, I think it's two really good football teams. I think it's the two teams that deserve to be in the Super Bowl uh, and expecting a heck of a game. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't think you can bet against Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's a smart bet. People have been trying with the whole, well, road record, and, you know, it's a, it's a different Chiefs team. But, Grant, they've really kind of reinvented. When I look at last year's team, they were explosive, yes, but they were able to, to go on some six, seven, eight-minute drives. I mean, they, they were ball control when they wanted to be. Uh, they've adapted well without Hill in the offense. I know that's been two years ago, but you know what? They don't have the enemy dialing up plays. They still got, you know, Big Red Andy uh, doing his thing, but it's been about the defense, and I know you, you've been watching their defense this year. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's why his road record is, you know, through the playoffs has been dang good this year. Um Defense is playing great. You know, they've got into two tough environments, played really well, uh, and that's where you got to be at this point in the season. I mean, very rarely are you just going to go out, you know, everybody knows defense wins championships, and very rarely are you just going to go out there and outscore somebody. Uh, so with the way that their defense is playing, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is magic in the playoffs. Um, you know, I saw some crazy stat on ESPN the other day 
where his playoff record is 14 and three, which would have been the best in the NFL this year, you know, if he were his own team. And that's against playoff defenses. And then you also, he also would have led the league in like three big statistical categories, I don't remember, against playoff defenses in the playoffs. You know, that's what he does. So you put that defense with him, you know, but pulling the trigger on things, it's going to be tough. It's a, and San Francisco is a heck of a team. I mean, they are a great team. They are loaded, offensive and defensively. But just, you know, in big games, there are guys that get it done, and Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. What's great about Mahomes is, is he'll make the spectacular play. He'll scramble for a first down. Grant, he takes care of the football, and, and, and that's supposed to be obvious, but so many quarterbacks have a, a key or costly turnover or a back fumbles or a wideout gets stripped, and, and that, to me, is what's remarkable is his interception number, his fumble number. I mean, I think it's still at zero if, if memory serves for this playoff run. And he's so good at taking care of the football. Yeah, and, you know, I think earlier this season, if my memory serves correct, you know, he, he did have some turnovers at the end of games that cost him maybe a game or two. Um, but they, they've just cleaned it up. Everything that they did to lose games early in the season was self-defeating, lining up offside, mm-hmm. you know, just dumb stuff that cost them football games. And, they had the talent in the room. They had the mentality. They had the, the veteran leadership. It's just a matter of time before you stop making stupid mistakes and you've still got this great football team in place with playoff experience that knows how to win late in the season. It's Grant Wistrom with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Grant, for as great as Patrick Mahomes has been, you always have the, the one trump card as a defense that can usually take a quarterback out of rhythm. That's the pass rush. And I want to dive into the 49ers pass rush and, and how they could get to Mahomes because you have a, a list of guys, all fantastic pass rushers, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, Kinlaw, Randy Gregory. They just have an assortment of pass rushers that can get after Mahomes. Do you think that could be the difference for the 49ers if they do get it done against the Chiefs? Is that pass rush getting to Mahomes and making him unco- uncomfortable? Yeah, I think they need to get to him with four guys. I mean, he's Patrick Mahomes, I think, is really good about reading the blitz and getting to the hot route, getting rid of the ball, evading the rush, buying time. So, you know, you're right. If they do have a chance, it is going to start up front with the 49ers and just not only, you know, getting him off the spot, making him uncomfortable, but keeping him in the pocket. I mean, that's so much, so much a part of your pass rush, your mindset is when you're playing a guy like that that's mobile, that gets out of the pocket, that buys time, is keeping him in the pocket. You know, you can't rush out of control. you got to keep your lanes, you know, gap, gap integrity. Um, so, yeah, if they can go out and do that, and the Chiefs have played a lot of good defenses through the playoffs, and they've, you know, people have thrown stuff at them and they've handled it, but if the Niners can do that and get after them with four guys, you know, that's going to be one of the keys to victory for them. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Super Bowl. You can find Grant on Twitter, at Grant Wistrom. So, Grant, uh, you guys had a nice combination with your Super Bowl championship team in 99. Your, your defense was really good, getting, getting after the quarterback. I, I just remember so many of those open field tackles against Tennessee that were critical and that Tennessee team was good with Yak uh, all season long. But your offense, man, greatest show on turf. Tell me a little bit about that team and, you know, both sides of the football, how you complemented one another. 
Well, like if you meant compliment is like 80% of one side of the ball does most of the work and we compliment with our 20 on defense, then yes, we complimented each other very well. Uh, I mean, when it 35 to nothing, eight, ten minutes into a football game, it makes it really easy to get sacked. You know, uh, we had a defense that was good but not nearly on level with our offense. And just that offense was just so ridiculous about putting points on the bar board that, um, you know, if teams didn't slow them down, they were just going to speedboat them. And uh, it's really easy to play defense when you know they're only going to throw the football. Did you have a good feeling about that team? I know it was going into your second year, and I know the – Trent Green, Kurt Warner situation's been well documented, but did you have an idea that, all right, if Kurt's able to, to get settled, and, and he was phenomenal, but did you have any idea that, okay, you, you could go beyond a playoff run? No. You know, you know, Schmitty, it being my second year in the NFL, I had no idea what it took. And even when you think you got that team, there are just so many variables that go into a season that, it can be taken away from you know, at the snap of a finger if the wrong person goes down. So to say that, you know, especially with Trent going down and just a quarterback that I don't even know if he'd thrown 10, you know, 10 passes in his career at that point, you know, there's in a regular season game, Kurt, you know, there's no way to, to, that I would have had any thought that we would have had that run that we had. How calming was, was Coach Vermeil? He'd been there, but a lot of you guys hadn't yeah you know we were a really young team um shoot i don't know if we might have had a handful of guys that played for other super bowl teams but not very many um and and you know the majority of it was a part of a rams organization that had been the losing his team in the past decade in the nfl you know it wasn't like there was a complete roster turnover from year one to year two for me so it was, you know, he, you know, Coach Ramiels, he said, you know, going into training, it was crazy. My first training camp, I'm sitting in uh, the uh, cafeteria line, and one of the NFL Films guys was standing next to me, and he's like, do you guys practice like this every day? And I'm like, I don't know. It was like day two of, like, the, first, the mini, you know, the rookies coming in. I'm like, I don't know. This, I'm a rookie, and I, this is all I know. I'm like, how does it compare to other places? And he's like, we've never seen anything like this. You know, just the level that he just just beat us down and broke us down. Um, but going into year two, I mean, he actually said that at training camp. He's like, I have been working towards this season. You know, the entire time I've been here, I've been breaking you guys down. I've been weeding out the people that I don't want to be here, that don't want to do it the right way. And he's like, Coach Vermeil had, I mean, even in training camp, you know, that he called it. That was his blueprint. So, um, him just having that steady, and then Coach Ramil wasn't always steady. You know, the guy can be very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, he always had our backs. You knew he loved you as a player. I love Coach Ramil this day. I put him up there with Coach Osborne. And I don't think there's very many guys in the NFL that could say that about their head coach, that they, they, that they love him. And I love Coach Ramil because I knew he cared me about, about me more as a player than a, more as a person than a player, just like Coach Osborne. So, um, he just—he's the type of guy he just wanted out there and play hard for, and he was a calming influence, like you said. How did how did he connect with you? Because it's so different from 
the the college level in a lot of spots to to the pro level where it, it is a business and you're a employee and and you've got a, a job and you're supposed to go do it and there, there's not necessarily a lot of emotion with some franchises how did Vermeil connect with you there's just some people that have an innate ability to do that and coach osborne's one of them i mean i don't there's not a young man or a fan that bumps into or gets to meet coach osborne that just does immediately feel a connection towards him um, and Coach Vermeil is that same way. Um, he's a very emotional, very passionate person. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. He knows you know where you stand with him at all times. Um, his wife, Miss Vermeil, is a, an incredible lady. Um, they'd have the team, you know, position groups over before the season, so she could get to meet all the guys. And he he ran it like a family affair. And we, I felt like you know, and still kind of do that. I'm one of his surrogate kids. Good stuff from Grant Wistrom with us here. Super Bowl week. Huskers in the Super Bowl on Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. We'll spend a few more minutes with Grant, get his take on more of the matchups and thoughts on Husker uh, football as spring session just around the corner. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, Sam Cook will talk Super Bowl tomorrow, but more with Grant next segment. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Super Bowl. You can find Grant on Twitter at Grant Wistrom. Grant, let's spend a minute on Nebraska and Coach Rule, and, and you've laid out uh, the connection that's important for, for players and coaches and T.O. And, and, of course, Coach Vermeil. You know, talking with some folks who've played for for Rule before in Carolina, and and just you know being around the program here a little bit. I mean, that's kind of the same way to to chop some wood for for Rule. He wants to, and he does the let's have folks over for dinner. I mean, he's not only a great communicator, but his football background's really uh, impressive. But he's also got that that personal touch, and we're all excited to see how spring ball goes here. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, it looks like it's been a heck of a an off season for him, and uh, you know, like you're saying, Smitty, just the connection. Like you didn't see a mass exodus in the portal from Nebraska. You know, we lost a few guys, but, but the majority of the guys they're stuck around and stayed, and it's because they've got the buy in, and they buy in in him, and they buy in in the direction that they're headed. So, um, you know, I, I drink the Kool-Aid every year. Um, I'm very excited for spring ball and this upcoming season and, you know, what all these big signings, you know, he's got coming in, um, seeing what they can do. What's your thought on, on Nebraska landing a, not only a five-star in, in Dylan Raiola, you know, Dom, but just kind of that, that ripple effect. There's got to be proof on the field, but you're getting a pretty high-level talent in the door and it's made some waves. It's 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 been a good thing perception wise so far. Absolutely, you know, um, I think that was huge for Nebraska. You know, it was a shame when it started to not go their way, but then they got them. And just with the way social media is today, and how they, like you said, you know, a butterfly effect and ripple effect, and just you know, a little ripple now can be a huge wave later on. And it's that's what it's done with Dom and. Um, getting a lot of guys from the portal, I think, because of it. And it's just got good energy in Nebraska. And, you know, hopefully the momentum keeps going. All right. I've got to shift gears to the the other topic with the Super Bowl. And uh, 
being a proud soccer dad, you've had lots of road trips all over the country. How much Taylor Swift has been played in the uh, the Western Mobile? Oh no, no, we are, and and I honestly, in my household, I'm probably if there's a Swifty fan, I'm the closest one to it. Um, so there's none of that played. Uh, you know, it's more. You know, she's she's a product of her parents. It's more gangster rap and hair metal than that kind of stuff <laughs> before gangs. Okay, well, what's what's the rap and what's the the hair metal? Is it is it. Uh, is it ACDC and, and, and Biggie, or, I mean, what's uh, what's the, the playlist look like? Well, you know, I mean, it, you name it, it's on there. Obviously, Tupac, Biggie. Um, she, Charlie, by the time she was about five or six, could differentiate between Led Zeppelin, uh, The Doors, mm. and who, uh, one other, uh, maybe it was The Stones, like she, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Pink Floyd, that was it. She could do just for about the first 10 seconds of each song, she could tell you who the artist was. So um, she's been raised right, man. She, <laughs> she gets all the good stuff. <laughs> That's pretty good. Good work. Uh, Zeppelin, uh, Dad, let's play a little Tupac, but then I want to hear when the levee breaks. And you're all right, right. Got it, got it, got it. No, I yep. like it. Well, Grant, it's been uh, incredible to, to catch up with you again. Uh, are you doing ribs this year again for the Super Bowl, or you got something else uh, cooking up? Oh, man. Actually, I'm going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. Whoa. Uh, the Super Bowl. Um, uh, a buddy of mine and I are starting a, a roofing company up there, Champ Roofing, and we're having our first big meeting up there. So uh, we picked the date. Um, did not realize it was Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday, but uh, so I'll be in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, good, man. That's awesome. Well, enjoy the, uh, the meeting and enjoy the uh – the football and we'll touch base again soon you take care and thanks for the time man all right thank you smitty elijah you guys take care go chiefs there he is grant wistrom missouri boy is uh, all for his chiefs and uh love talking about his experience we, we've talked a lot about calm today right that sounds boring and well kind of stupid except in big games in big moments after big games in big moments and you know, you can take a lot. Your team you're cheering for takes a lot from calm during a storm, right? And uh, be it Fred Hoiberg not losing it on officials or. Oh, I think that may have helped a little bit. Well, maybe not your team and the, their ability to come back, but maybe the the calls you're getting from the refs. Well, who knows? Um, Fred didn't stay calm at halftime of Nebraska Wisconsin, mm. right? Yeah. So there's there there's that, but we'll get to some more of your your stream comments and all these interviews are posted on the uh, the Spotify, iTunes, Google Play platform with the podcast, and we do about four segments uh, a show for the podcast, the entire show, and then two or three uh, interviews slash segments. So uh, subscribe to that Hail Varsity Radio and uh, give us a, a rating. And uh, tell a friend, subscribe that way, subscribe to the YouTube channel, our daily show via video, the stream, and uh, where you can comment, and so many of you do every day. We love that. Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter, at Radio is where we go. We other The other talking point today was the Big Ten SEC partnership, and what's it going to accomplish, and... Right now, uh, the thing you need to know about this burgeoning cooperation with the Big Ten and the SEC uh, is, quite frankly, uh, the 
advisory group announcing last week that the SEC and the the Big Ten uh, are going to be more of the bellwether where college sports are are going, and that's where they desire to go. Um, With both of these, it's going to be able to call their shots, have control, and and be must-see TV to keep printing money for for both conferences. This is on the, the streaming side of things we're talking about. They'll still keep their normal on-air contracts with their prospective um, partners because that's that's where you make your revenue. But they're going to try and get control. They're going to try and, and get the genie not back in the bottle, but at least in a headlock here for the direction of college athletics, specifically college football, where, all right, this is the, the direction things need to go, where... If there's payments and NIL, great. But let's figure out a way to get um, the universities involved and have the ability to be involved to to not have to to, to use a third party. And and I, and I say that out loud. Well, Nebraska's got an amazing collective that's that's great. But you have to go through the collective eighty percent or more. Of, of what you're doing NIL-wise is, is through the collective, uh, probably more than that, and that's just out of your hands. You, you don't control it. And if you're the University of Nebraska, if you're Alabama, if you're pick a school, if you're Texas, you want to be able to be in control because you're the one that is bringing in the players, you're doing the recruiting, you're doing the coaching, you've got the academic side, you've got the – the 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 the, the uh, life skills you're doing that's that's bigger picture than for some recruits a one time payment. So this is a step in that control, and it you've got you've, got you've got Sankey and you've got Petiti guys. Go go ahead that are that are big. It just feels gross to have a university directly pay an athlete to say, "Hey, come here." It's nice to have a level I'm of separation. Not, it feels gross. It feels weird, but that's the direction we're headed. No, it's what it's what it is. We'll wind down uh, Tuesday next. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. We're doing uh, Huskers in the Super Bowl this week. We'll check in with Sam Cook, Tony Veland coming up this week. Uh, big thanks to Grant Wistrom, uh, Jeremiah Searles, Mitch Sherman today, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the podcast. Elijah, you sent me a disturbing tweet and that tweet is there is a coyote on the loose in vegas and is this a real tweet that it one got after a, a a player for the chiefs well I'll, I'll lay out the source first so this comes from las vegas locally which is a twitter page that tends to be kind of on the money there i wouldn't call them the tmz of las vegas but they tend to have a lot of good scoops i remember uh, which casino was it that all of their, their gambling went down after a cyber breach earlier this year? Las Vegas locally was the first on it. They've broken some other stories in the past. Uh, they are reporting that last night a NFL player was bit by a coyote in uh, near Lake Las Vegas. Out in Las Vegas, no report on who that player is. You'd assume not a member of the Chiefs or the 49ers, but that would be a very interesting development. Where's Caldarius Tony? 
He's he's rehabbing from a phantom injury. Remember, <laughs> what was that phantom injury? A coyote bite? Well, didn't wasn't it like he was inactive, rehabbing from an injury for the uh, the AFC title game, and then he came out before the game was like, no, I'm not hurt. They just they just scratched me. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm saying if there's one guy you don't want to put it in the hands of, it's Caldarius Tony. Yeah, <laughs> got a, a bite on the hand. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what's what's the jersey number? <laughs> no, but but you would assume not a member of the. You would assume those guys are not hanging out at Lake Las Vegas. You know, you'd assume those guys are doing their preparation this week. I guess you never know. Who was it that went missing before the the Raiders and Buccaneers? Barrett, Barrett Robbins. What's the story with that? Uh, I think Barrett went down to Mexico. Had a good old time, but I think he also had some mental health mm. tendencies. So the story is, and this is 22 years ago, the old Bill Callahan Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, Barrett Robbins went missing. Uh, Chucky knew every call that the Raiders had because he was there the year before. They didn't change their play-calling language. And... Uh, yeah, Adam True, I think, had to step in and play center. And he was the, the former Husker, former Pius, the 10th standout. True's a hell of a football player. That's tough duty. And Robbins was a really, really good center. You had to be for, for Bill Callahan. And I think he went MIA, and it was just a tough night for the, the Raiders. They got blown out against a guy who pretty much created your offense for you. <laughs> and... Uh, then you factor in your all-pro setter being gone. Disaster. Yeah, disaster. But it, but it, was, I mean, it wasn't just, let's go get lost in, in Mexico during uh, the week of the Super Bowl. I think there was really some mental health issues. Mm. I don't mm. know if it was bipolar or schizo or whatever, but wasn't good. Well, you hope you don't have a situation like that this week with one of the members of the 49ers or Chiefs. Going believing that they were bit by a coyote, believing that they were bit by a coyote, or believing, actually wow. physically being bit by a coyote. Back tomorrow, we'll talk to you at four. We'll, we'll get you ready for Nebraska Northwestern. Mike Babcock, Evan Bland, uh, Sam Cook, and then Connor Clark from Evanston as he's on the call tomorrow night. Talk to you at four. A Huda Media Production.